solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Friday edition of the Locked On Texas podcast. I am your host, John Some Sports Guy Hickman. My co host, Cody Davis, joins the show today. Got a fun discussion with Brandon K. Scott. Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty and affordable food, it's an official, unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. Welcome to the show, Cody Davis, my super co-host, mm. breaking news co-host. Whatever title you want to give them, <laughs> you give it to them. What we got on today's show? Well, as you just alluded to, we have our guy, our brother, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. And this episode is going to be a little bit different because normally when we bring Brandon in, of course, we always talk about the upcoming game. But when the Houston Texans are walking into the Arizona Cardinals home stadium, one team is one and five, and the other team, their opponent is six and oh. It's really not much that you can actually say about that game. But because you're going up against DeAndre Hopkins, because you are going up against JJ Watt, you just released Whitney Merciless, who, regardless how you felt about him over the last two years, this guy is another Texan great. You got who should have been the greatest Texan of all time in Deshaun Watson. He's probably finally out the door off of 610 in Kirby. Would it be this week? Would it be next week? Would it be before the NFL trade deadline, which is set to begin on November 2nd? There's a lot of turmoil that has been around this organization over the last, what, 24 months. So with Brandon, we had a very interesting conversation about basically how did the Houston Texans get here? And he said a lot of interesting things. He said a lot of great stuff. And we don't want to hold you guys in the intro too long because we don't want we don't want our show to be extremely long. But, John, listeners, I think this Sunday's game, like I've mentioned earlier this week, is just going to be a, a reminder, a painful reminder of what the Texans had what they could have, because when I take a look at the Arizona Cardinals, I look at a team that should be the Houston Texans and what they could possibly have in the future moving forward. Absolutely. So it's going to be a fun, and like you said, Cody, a deeper conversation with Brandon K. Scott. I can't wait to go ahead and just give you guys the discussion that uh, we have. So let's dive into that next on the Locked On Texas podcast. But before we transition over to the conversation with Brandon K. Scott, we are back and better than ever. And of course, I'm mentioning Better Online, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Better Online remains your number one spot for all of basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday installment of Locked On Texans. And you know what it is. We got our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, what's going on, my man? And really quick, 
Are the Houston Astros are going to close out the series tonight? I'm only asking because you are also covering the Astros on the beat as well, man. I know you're going to be down there later on tonight. Yeah, I'm going to be there, and I'm calling it right now. It will be Astros and six. I don't mm. think you – like with a team like this and, and teams that are so similar in, in terms of like being able to go off for offensive explosions the way both have so far in this series, you don't want to mess around. If they can do the kill shot, get a kill shot right now on Friday night, like I, I think that this is the time. So, yeah, I'm calling it, man, Astros and six. Going to the third World Series in five years. That's crazy, um, man. I mean, this is like I think people need to appreciate and understand that this is one of the best baseball teams to ever play. This is one of the more impressive runs that we've ever seen. That, that infield of Yuli Gurriel, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, and Alex Bregman has played more postseason games together than any combination Damn. in the history of the game. Mm. Uh, Carlos Correa is already one of the all-time MLB postseason performers. So you're watching history right now, right here in the city. So, uh, <laughs> so give it up for the Astros, man. Absolutely. And you know what I will say this before we start talking about the Texans, you mentioned Carlos Correa and them boys. Nobody has – a perfect time and home run from what I've seen, like the, the baseball that I've watched, which is not that much like Altuve. Altuve has the most timely, or oh, you thought we all, we was out of it, home run in, in playoff history that I've ever seen. It always happens with him and them boys over there. They, they got a point to prove. And I can't wait for a Houston-Atlanta uh, World Series because, you know, it's going to be fun out there in them streets. I'll tell you that. But, Brandon, I want to talk to you real quick. A little bit, a little bit about what we saw and heard from Levy Smith. I uh, talked about the big plays that they've given up, and I'll notice and I'll note that the miscommunication, rather, between Desmond King and Lonnie Johnson on that Moaley Cox touchdown at post corner. You know what do we have to see moving forward in your eyes that can help this defense defense out? Because what I'm seeing is maybe this zone is a little bit outdated. Quarterbacks are coming into the league. A lot more, uh, you know, prepared than we've seen maybe during his time, his reign of coaching. And so the zone really doesn't affect him that much. And on top of that, Houston is the most, I'm going to put this, they don't change what they do after, after the snap. The pre-snap defense is what you're going to get post-snap defense. And so is it a Z defense problem or is it a maybe personnel player problem that they're having on the field? Yeah, John, I think it's a dilemma, man, because I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I, I would just say, to start off, hard stop, it is an outdated defense. Like, to your the first point that you made, I think is a good one, and I think it's the primary one when you're looking at why this defense is, or at least in coverage, at least, right, is not effective or ideal. That being said, we also know that cover two is, it's, to, to, to your point, is one of the more simple concepts and easiest defenses to play it's not very hard to follow the concept john you and i have talked about this to follow the concept the simple concept of don't get beat deep like it's the it's the whole idea and concept of the of the offense at least or the defense i'm sorry at least on that on that end for the secondary and for the safeties so on the one hand i think you could say for sure that it's an outdated defense probably has been for the last, let's say, at least six or seven years, probably a little bit longer than that. 
And on top of that, you apparently got players who either don't have the talent or the focus or the discipline, whatever it is exactly, maybe a combination of both. But you have here a group of players that also can't execute the simplest of concepts. I mean, think about it like this. And I know so a lot of the players are different now from last year, but stay with me on this. Last year, the narrative was with Anthony Weaver as the defensive coordinator was that they were going to do they were going to bring these exotic blitzes and they were going to have this really sophisticated defense that was going to confuse people. And they were just they were going to be exotic. Right. Well, we saw that they didn't have the personnel to do that. And, you know, overall, it, it did not work. They were a bad defense. And now you switch over to somewhat of the opposite of, hey, let's dumb it down. Let's read our keys. Let's play on our instincts. Let's abide by the simplest of concepts in football, which is, you know, in the cover two context, like we said earlier, don't get beat deep. And they can't do that either. So I think it's a mixture of both of you could just say generally that it's somewhat of an outdated defense schematically, but also it could be better. It could look better if it was just executed better. I mean, let's give them let's give the defense a little bit of credit as well in that they have, you know, heated toward the focus on turnovers and having a nose for the ball and, and and really keying in on that in a way that it didn't seem like they did for whatever reason, didn't seem like they did last year, even when they talked about doing it. Like it's not just talk this year. They're actually, they've actually been about that life. And I think it has helped, you know, some of the players up front to, to think less and to be able to just rip and go, just kind of get after it and go. And you would think that for less talented players <laughs> to have the simplest of concepts of don't get beat deep would be beneficial to them. But, but it hasn't been. So, so for me, it's a little bit of a conundrum because, you know, again, for less talented players, I'd like to think that this is something that at, at least they could just, they could run cover too, you know, but then at the same time, you're like, okay, well, middle of the field going to always be vulnerable. There's always right. going to be sweet spots if 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 a, a quarterback with any level of sophistication knows what he's doing is going to be able to exploit it, especially now. And again, like you, I think you mentioned, quarterbacks are coming in kind of ready to do that, already prepared to sort of do that, more a lot more developed than they had been before. So uh, so I think it's kind of a double edged sword. I will say this before I pass it off to to you, Cody. That one particular play that I'm talking about when Mo Ali got behind. And, yeah. you know, um, That's what I'm thinking about. I, I, yeah. I, I watched that play several times and I dissected that play in that cover two. For one, it didn't look like the middle linebacker got deep enough. He didn't. On his, on his deep third. And I think that confused Lonnie a little bit because he originally broke off to the uh, cover the um, to cover uh, his third of the, of, the, of the field. He originally broke off. But then maybe, he, like they talk about all the time, not being disciplined. His discipline took him out of his zone, and that allowed for uh, Carson Wentz to be able to find Ali Cox on that touchdown. So I'm looking at a situation where, you know, we've had these conversations about whether or not it should be Lonnie out there, whether or not it, be, it should be Brooks or God awful it shouldn't be. I mean, thankful, thankful to God it shouldn't be Eric Murray, but – you know, you can't really blame the personnel, the players that they're putting out there week by week, because I would say outside of Reed, uh, nobody else has really solidified themselves as a consistent player on the defensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think going back to that play that you mentioned and and with Lonnie, a couple of things, and going back to the conflict that I'm talking about, he, he's trying to account for, and, and this is a good job by, you know, I have to give Indianapolis some credit for scheming it up this way. He is sort of responsible for two different areas. Like he's looking to his left and his right. Like there was somebody underneath right there. Like I think what you just mentioned, he was he was looking at, to cover another guy. But, you know, there you got Mo Ali Cox there kind of just sitting there open in the sweet spot there. So he's got to make it like Lonnie's in, in a situation where he's got to make a decision. Right. Right. And he's got to make it quickly. And he's got to have, you know, if he makes the wrong decision, he's got to have the recovery speed to get there to make a play. Right. Like he's like, it's got to be one or the other. And so when I, when I break down that play, when I look at it, you know, slowly, I'm trying to figure out is, you know, how well is Lonnie reading the eyes of the quarterback? How well is the quarterback looking them off? Like what is, you know, how quickly should he have gotten there? And, you know, you like to think that instincts and being able to read the, you know, the quarterback's eyes and, and movement would kind of got would have gotten him there quicker. But at the same time, it was a sweet spot in the defense, you know, Desmond King is just letting them go. Right. Desmond King just basically releases them because he assumes that he's got some kind of help. Right. And it's not there. <laughs> and, and when you look at the shot, you look at Will Ali Cox catching the ball and he's surrounded by Desmond King, Christian Kirksey and Lonnie Johnson. They're all right there. They're just not. <laughs> Mm, mm, mm. Brandon, um, sticking with the defensive side of the ball before we move on and start talking about Sunday's game, uh, what are your thoughts and what are some of the takeaways that you have about the biggest news surrounding this organization this week about the release of Whitney Merciless, especially considering that this is an organization that is starting to depart from all the veterans that they brought in, especially the disappointing veterans that they brought in, and now they are officially starting to go on a youth movement? Yeah, I I, I just find the Whitney Merciless release now a little bit strange because, you know, they could have, like, I don't know what they learned about <laughs> Whitney Merciless over the last yeah. you know, six weeks, eight weeks, however long they've been coaching him. And, and since he's been out there, to his credit, I'll say he has not been exactly the, the disaster that he was last year. Mm-hmm. So, but But it still is a downgrade or, or he's, he's not as good as he was, you know, let's call it even two years ago in 2019 when it was, when at the end of that season is I think when we first started to see the decline, he started that season off really well. Which was after his contract extension, by the way, I always wanted to point uh, that out. <laughs> well, And that's what's interesting about the contract extension was that uh, that season he started off on a terror. Yeah. Seven and, and a half sacks. Yeah, and like oh, five and a half, one of the two. Well, and then like the first, it was really like the first three or four weeks or so. Like one of those weeks, he was AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact numbers, but he those first couple of weeks, I even remember that we had him up here at the station once uh, around that time. And he, I mean, he was he was playing really well those first few weeks, and then sort of more of the Whitney Merciless that I think we've seen this season, not so much last season. Last season was a, was a dude that looked like he didn't even really belong on the field at all. I don't think he's looked like that. And so in that regard, I think that there, that he could possibly help the Packers who he signed with. But, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? We've talked about how there isn't a player on this team who is untradeable, not releasable, 
like the like the entire roster is in that vein and Whitney Merciless certainly would be included in that I think I think unfortunately for a player who was I think as productive as Whitney Merciless was for a time and as good of a dude as Whitney is uh, on and off the field in the community and all that it is a shame that he will be remembered for having one one not the worst but one of the worst contracts in the franchise's history one of the more mind-boggling contracts in the franchise's history the thing i will, will reflect on when you talk about his contract is that we watched dj reader leaving free agency because they didn't want to pay him they paid whitney merciless and then subsequently went out there and had one of the worst run defenses that you'll ever find and to, to you know to add to that and this is just my theory here y'all forgive me for going down this little rabbit hole but it felt like they were this is the, this is the energy it gave okay it felt like rewarding the anti-clowny you know and, and i'm not blaming whitney mm. for this but this is on the heels of the, of the jadavian clowny trade we understand the dynamic of clowny and whitney whitney being here first i guess a couple of years first clowny coming here being what you know most of us would have considered to be the better player for that position and so Whitney having to adjust and be a different player and then Clowney leaves and he goes we all know how how that dynamic works but and I, and I don't think it was as simple as Bill O'Brien made a decision to keep Whitney merciless and trade Jadavion like he picked merciless over Clowney like that's not exactly what I'm saying because but but you see how this happens later on you know you trade Clowney before the season and then after the season or at the end, you reward the guy who is sort of the antithesis of what they didn't like about Clowney or what Clowney represented, right? The guy who, you know, you guys understand what I'm saying, right? The More of the, come to work on time. Yeah, the prototypical culture guy, right? Yeah. Which, and, and I'm not blaming Whitney for that. I think that's in, in some ways a credit to him that, you know, that he was a professional in that way and that people view him that way. But, I think it's unfortunate a little bit that it, it it seemed that way that on the heels of trading away your former number one overall pick who admittedly I, I would say did not live up to the expectations of a number one overall pick but you trade him away and then you overpay and I think paid half the salary as well and then you know when he goes to Seattle and then you overpay for a guy who you've probably gotten the best out of already so uh, I, I hate that that is how I will reflect on all of that. Um, but we know where the Texans are, man. We're just what's interesting now as the games go on, as they keep losing, is that you're getting a little bit more honesty and transparency about what it is that we're actually seeing. And so that that is what I think is kind of the, the cool part about it. If you can say anything cool about, you know, losing perpetually. Absolutely. I can't wait to dive into what you believe is going to happen. This Sunday, Houston got a uh, three thirty games. Maybe if you know that helped them, I'll shake it up a little bit. Three twenty five compared to that. Tw- no, y'all not buying that. Okay, hell no, <laughs> ain't buying it. Nobody's buying it. Okay, when we come back. Got more from Brandon K. Scott. Talk about his predictions on Sunday from the Houston Texans and Cardinals game. And once again, this episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving community since nineteen sixty five. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty and affordable food. It's a place where family and friends can come together from the community. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. 
And we would like for you to celebrate the freedom of choice with Built Bar. They have so many delicious flavors. There's something for everyone. Flavors ranging from coconut to raspberry to double chocolate to cookies and cream. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Between 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 130 to 180 calories, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and net carbs. Go to BuildBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code Locked On for 15% off at BuildBar.com. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen. Now make your second listen. The Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all major platforms. Brandon Scott, before we getting to their prediction. Frank Ross talked about the special teams today. We know that Trayvon Smith and Desmond King will, you know, potentially be the returners now. He talked about how, you know, they've been having guys the entire time throughout practice, throughout the, you know, the year so far, practice as returners, but yet they stuck it out with Andre Roberts. Has that, you know, do they leave like a salty taste in your mouth or just kind of like, okay, if you saw guys and Maybe they were better than him throughout practice and the offseason. Why keep him out on that field? That's just something I want you to kind of think about real quick. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's just confusing. You know, it's, it's confusing. Um, I, what I, One thing I will say, and I don't want to give too much credit to Nick Casario for this, because I, like, I don't want to overstate this, but I, I can at least appreciate that he seems to be quick to acknowledge mistakes and, and when something goes wrong and – when it's time to punt on something, he punts on it. And I can, I, you know, I can give him credit for that, for not being like too married to and too dedicated toward a bad idea. But to that point, it does seem like they were dedicated to this bad idea maybe for longer than they should have been. You know, when you look at how the roster was constructed from the beginning, you know, it, it, it baffles me a little bit on how they did not see that at the very least, Desmond King should have been competing for that job. It, what it seems like, John, honestly, is that they just gave a job to them and they just said, hey, here's the here's the job. And that's one of the things that I've been speaking out against just across the board is just giving jobs away, either because you're loyal to a guy or have a relationship with, with, with somebody or or even the self-scout, quite honestly. Like when you talk about, you not to get off, off topic, when you talk about just playing Davis Mills to self-scout him, like, I, I like the idea of a guy earning his job, you know, and, and I don't feel like Andre Roberts at any point ever did that. Uh, and, and at the very least, even if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt as a, as a veteran who's been successful in the league, even has some recent success in the league. I, I feel like he should have been benched very early on in the season when he started muffing punts. Brandon, really quick, before we start talking about Sunday's game, we all know the big matchup. Texans one in five, <laughs> Arizona Cardinals six and oh. Of course, we got the big thing everybody's looking at DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt. But before we start talking about Sunday's game, can you just talk to the listeners out there? What was your take away from the press conference that you and I and everybody else in the Houston media had an opportunity to do with JJ Watt on yesterday? Because it seemed like to me, um, you're looking at a guy that wanted to depart from this organization because he saw where this organization was heading to. And not yeah. only that, it seems like he's not mad at the players or the fan base as, 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 to a certain extent, but it seems like 
he has something against ownership and how he had to leave this organization. Honestly, Cody, I wish we had more time with him. I think yeah. we sat with him. It was only about, 11 and a half minutes, by the way. Yeah, not even a full 12 minutes. Um, and, and I'm not blaming anybody for that. I don't know what the schedule was like. I mean, who I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on over there. So, so it's not, not a beef or anything or a complaint. It, it's just I, I wish we had more time to talk to him because, honestly, from what it, it had been so long since we talked to him, Mm-hmm. And, and and of course the the context is different now because we've seen some things play out. His team is good. This team is not, you know. And we didn't know that for sure, for sure. Uh, or you know, back when you know he first signed and in the off season. So so like we have that added element of of information now. Oh but but I, I I feel like he said a lot of things that we already knew and understood because he was talking mm-hmm. like before the end of the year. You know, we we asked him questions about, you know, how how are you thinking on your about your future? What do you view? How do you view the future of this organization and, and the prospects of a rebuild? And what's you know, how much does losing weigh on you? And, you know, we talked to, D- to JJ about all of this in real time, in the moment as it was happening. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like it was a lot of rehashing and revisiting some of what we already knew. Um, but. But at the same time, I, I would love to have known more about just what 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 would he have liked to have seen happen differently here? Um, and, and and it's obvious that a lot needed to happen differently. Basically, everything that happened shouldn't have. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. you, could over, you could oversimplify it and just say, hey, everything that you did over the last, let's call it two years now. Don't do that. Right. Exactly. Like, you could just oversimplify it and say that. But like. As somebody who who was obviously in the building and you know an intricate part of the the team's identity and and honestly to me always will be as one of the great right now the probably the greatest player in franchise history I would love to to know just what he thinks because I, I mean I already knew that he loves Houston and that he wishes well for the for the franchise I'm sure and certainly the city and the fan base who have been good to him been very very good to JJ and rightfully so he's been good to. You know, likewise, right? But I'd I'd love to know what he thinks exactly went wrong and and where it could have been done differently. I don't know if he would have been honest in uh, or wanted to touch on that in such an open setting where he yeah. knew that, that that everything would get clipped and written about and the videos mm-hmm. would be posted and all of that. Maybe that would have been a better conversation to have in private behind closed doors. Maybe just for your for your own background knowledge, but. That was sort of what I was wanting to get out of it was just sort of like, what's his take? What You know, what's the closest to an honest, unfiltered take on what's happened here that we could get from Let's Think about it. Who's the who's the greatest player in franchise history aside from J.J. Watt? Andre Johnson, right? We know how he feels about this whole thing, don't we? We know how Dwayne exactly. Brown yeah. feel. He knows how yeah. like the greats and, 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 all feel this kind of the same right, way. All right, right. And, and and I would I would venture to guess that JJ is along the same lines mm-hmm. of, of those guys, but I just love to hear it from him. Um so you know, I that that was what I was wishing that we could have gotten out of that. I don't think that we did, but but to I think to a point that that you were making earlier, Cody, is that we did get a sense for the emotion mm-hmm. and I frustration of how it ended which sort of did speak to and touch on the question that i would have asked as well like does he still feel it 
you know, and and have yeah. the regret, not like his own personal regret per se, but just regretting how it ended and that, you know, this is basically a team that just never realized its potential. You know, J.J. Watt was here for that, was there for that. You know, like we can we can only speculate, I think, how far this team could have gone with Deshaun Watson if everything had worked out there. But, I mean, J.J. was on a team, I mean, his rookie year and then, of course, his second year, he was on teams that we probably legitimately thought could go to a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know if I think that might be the only times in franchise history where it's felt like that. Uh, there have been other times where maybe there was hope and, and uh-huh. you know, maybe you were leaning that toward that way. But those were the years, you know, his his earliest years, his uh-huh. introduction to the NFL was the glory years of this franchise. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's real. It's just real. I seeing him in a, in a different place. And uh, man, what <laughs> driving at that. Hey, Brandon, um, before we do our predictions, I honestly don't want to preview much of this game because we already know what's going to happen at this I'm point. Glad, but... I, I, I'm glad to, I'm glad to, <laughs> to tell you all this. Look, I'm glad to hear that. Man, that. but, you know. I says it is going to be very, very simple because I think this comes down to a simple one. But go ahead, man. Exactly. But what I was going to say, you kind of touched on it already. You know, this era of the Houston Texans is over, especially whenever they decide to deal Deshaun Watson. When you look back, let's say five years from now, when you look back at this era of Houston Texans football, especially this week, knowing that you're going to be going up against um, J.J. Watt and D-Hop, you're talking about two guys, especially D-Hop, who still should be here in Houston. How would you best summarize these last, what, how long has Deshaun Watson been here, like four or five years now? How would you best summarize these last four years, given everything that has went on and given what we thought we was going to see from this team versus what we have as we sit here on October 22nd, 2021. I mean, this dysfunctional is probably the easiest way to describe it. I mean, there are probably other ways that you could go, but dysfunctional sounds like it, especially if you start with the context of having Deshaun Watson, of having JJ Watt, of having DeAndre Hopkins, of having a talented nucleus at one point, you know, it's not like, it's not like this organization has never done anything right. It's not like they've always had the bad luck or, or always been incompetent. And there have been times when they've, when they've done the right thing, when they've hit on draft picks, when they've developed guys, you know, like you know, the best running back in franchise history was undrafted, right? Like you can, mm-hmm. you have all of these success stories that you can point to throughout the franchise's history. And I know that's, that speaks to before this, the period that you're talking about, but just generally, mm-hmm. you can point to all of these different examples where they've done good things. And so to see it, you know, with new leadership coming in, you know, early 2019, and there being kind of this odd crossover of leadership, right? You know, the Jack used to be era starts. And so it's the countdown to when Brian Gain is gone and it's the countdown to when everybody else that's had anything to do with success in this organization is gone. Chris Olsen, the cap guy, uh, you know, eventually Bill O'Brien himself. You know, you just go down the line. Jamie Roots, the, the team president. You just go down the line and <laughs> just the, team the president, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and, and it just speaks to really just the mass exodus of everything. The, the everything from the brain trust from the from the top to the bottom and, and i shouldn't say even the bottom i, I don't want to say that the players are at the bottom but you get what i'm saying from from, mm-hmm. from the front office to what to the actual on-field product and 
and, and the reason why dysfunction is such a good word for it as well, Cody and John, is that like you've got all of these guys that wanted to leave. You know, it's not like it just happened to work out so where, oh man, this isn't working out. It's run its course, and you like know, the James gotta, Harden situation. Yeah, yeah. It's like we tried. We didn't exactly fail, but we didn't exactly accomplish the goal. And now it's just time for everybody to go their separate ways. Like everybody wanted to leave, you know, or, or were unjustifiably wanted gone, you know, how, whichever way you want to look at it. And, and I don't think that there is a good enough explanation for that. Like there are explanations. There are interpersonal dynamics that exist here that I think are probably more nuanced than simply just having a take on the team, having pa passion about the team, you know, like there are more, it's more to the story than just what we could probably break down right here on this podcast. But I don't think that you can justify the mass exodus of talent within that organization over the last couple of years. When, it, when you dated back to, you know, first drafting the, the franchise quarterback, like everybody that we've seen, leave and because they wanted to in large part especially over the last couple of years right sean watson before all of this legal stuff complicated things wanted to leave you know jj watt just talked to us on thursday about seeing the writing on the wall essentially and wanting to leave i think by all accounts whitney merciless was ready to leave I'd be surprised if any of the players that's, that's, that's worth a quarter right now on the team don't want to leave. And and you can go up and down the line. I, Andre Johnson, again, I mentioned him earlier, but Andre Johnson, the uh, a gentle giant, a dude who does not say a lot publicly, does not do anything for flash or attention, the opposite of a diva receiver, at least publicly, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's not what he is and what he's about. And he came out there, man, doesn't tweet. Andre Johnson don't have Twitter fingers. And he came out and said what he had to say uh, about his distaste for the organization. And, and this is somebody who's not just a, a legend with the or He was in the building. He's in the building as recently as 2019. I, I saw I was there, you know, so he, this guy is in the locker room. Uh, and and for it to end up like this, man, I think dysfunction is just the, is the best way to characterize it. Game predictions from Sunday. What you got? I'm going to call this one. Let, let, let's have the, the Texas scoring a touchdown this time. And I'm going to get us from 33 to 13. Cardinals, mm -hmm. that is. Mm -hmm. It's better than me, man. I got this as a blowout. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the one that's really going to try to kill this organization. As a matter of fact, I would not be surprised if he breaks his career high for most receiving yards in the game, which is right now 238 against the Tennessee Titans that took place in 2014. I got the Arizona Cardinals winning 40-3. to And I got DeAndre Hopkins having a career day. Damn. Damn. What you talking about, John? What you talking about, man? That's a, a that's a little, a whole lot to a whole little. I don't got no uh, real, not in this game. I don't have a lot of faith in Houston to compete with what they can do offensively or defensively. And I think, you know, as Cody said, Houston got two guys, as both of you guys talked about, like, you know, as professional as J.J. Watt, I thought he was controlling his emotions in that press conference. This dude gave decade of his life 
to this team and franchise. And basically, I think a player of his caliber, you know, he didn't get any return. You got the defensive MVPs, but the way that last year played out for him, the Anthony Weaver blow-ups, Bill O'Brien blow-ups, he ain't get nothing. And I think he would rather still be in Houston if things were going the way that they should have been going. So he's pissed huh. off. And DeAndre Hopkins don't need a reason to crap on the Texans. He don't. He wakes up in the morning and look anything resembles Houston, he's going to tweet about it and go off about it or remind people that this is what happened when, when y'all traded me. So I could see a scenario where I could see 40 to 10. I could see 40 to 10. I'm not sure if, if DeAndre Hopkins has a breakout day, but I think that J.J. Watt will have a multiple sack type of day. Let me ask y'all something real quick as it pertains to DeAndre Hopkins. What does a DeAndre Hopkins, the D-Hop that we know, look like against this version of a cover two, of a cover two defense? Somebody that, think about it. Think about it. Somebody that's already always open in man coverage, blanketed. What 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 is that going to look like in uh, against a cover two that that by the way, as we've talked about already, doesn't know how to play cover two. I'm but I just say, I'm, I'm sorry. I, if I'm, no, if I was just I'm gonna say, oh, staff, oh, go ahead, John. <laughs> if, if I'm that coach's staff, hey man, run a post and just sit behind the linebackers and safety. We're gonna find you. Uh, and what did I just say? Career day, plain and simple. Yeah, I, I just thought about it as we were giving these predictions at the end and, and reflecting on the conversation we just had on what that could look like. How the the way this secondary has performed, along with the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is always open empty way. Oh goodness. Good luck, guys. Man. Good luck. And with that being said, that concludes another installment of Locked On Texans. This one actually got to me a little bit emotionally, just thinking about all yeah. the guys that they have, just thinking about, you know, what could have been with this organization versus what we have now. So, but that yeah. is what we have with this organization, man. And as always, we are your host, Cody Davis Johnson, Sports Guy Hickman. It's Friday. We got our boy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media, man? Yeah, man, I'm with you, man. Times like these really hit you in the chest, man. But uh, y'all can find me at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. Uh, y'all can also subscribe to the B Block podcast wherever you get your podcast. Always hitting up uh, or breaking down the various Houston sports topics and angles. And uh, yeah, man, just get with me on social media. Of course, that's Sports Radio 610. Uh, always doing something over there uh, with Texans coverage and Astros coverage and Rockets coverage and um, just trying to trying to get keep a finger on the pulse, man. You know what Cody sound like? The good times made us laugh. <laughs> hey man, that's what's going through my head, man. It's sad, man. And you laughing, but you gonna feel it too on Sunday, man. Cause like I I'm mentioned like, in the crossover show, I don't, I don't play for the Houston Texans. I, I don't. I, I play for. I, I understand you Texas. cover it, but at the end of the day, it's like I said. Normally, when a franchise is going up against an opposing player that used to be the fake. It's only one. They have two. And every single time the Arizona Cardinals take the field, offensive defense is going to be a reminder of what Houston had, and it's going to be a, a reminder of what they still should have.
Well, well, and another games you get them prizes. But you know, another caveat to this whole thing with the Cardinals specifically, though, is that last year when it was just D Hop, you know, it was kind of an eye roll whenever D Hop would troll the Texans fan base because it was like, well, y'all ain't nothing but eight and eight anyway. You know, y'all are just y'all just a mediocre franchise. Now it's not just that your stars and in some cases your heroes, if you look at them like that. It's not that just those cats are gone, but they are gone and they are thriving. Like they are, Arizona is essentially about to have what you were supposed to have. JJ Watt talked about having a quarterback, how important it was to have a quarterback. A he young had quarterback that's dynamic too. Yes, yes. And he had one and then he didn't, you know? So it's like, okay, th- this is an example of an organization that seems to be doing it right. And, and you are dealing with the ramifications of following, covering, rooting for, et cetera, one that does it incorrectly. Hmm. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, stay strong this Sunday. Stay strong. Peace. You are locked on Texans. Your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.